Thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective Podcast. Uh, my guest uh, is Julie Smith, who has joined me in the past. Uh, so, Julie, if you could uh, just you know give a little bit of background on yourself and and where you're at and what you're doing. Yeah, sure, Tony. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Um, I am uh, the ex- currently the executive director of the Identity Defined Security Alliance. Uh, we're an organization that's been around as a standalone entity since 2019, uh, with a fo- focus on educating the uh, broader IT community about the importance of securing digital identities. Um, you know, I specifically have been in the identity space for about. I guess 15 years now uh, with a, an identity security vendor uh, and then an identity solutions or actually a security systems integrator and then uh, in this role uh, for about four years. Um, but since we last spoke, had some changes happening within the IDSA leadership and uh, over the summer we announced that I'll be, I've been appointed to the board of directors, uh, and we have initiated a search for a new executive director uh, to lead the organization into the future, which is super exciting uh, for me. And and uh, you know we're looking for someone that can can come in and really act as an evangelist uh, in this uh, on this important topic. Who's uh, been in the shoes of a chief information security officer or a security leader uh, who can tell their story. Uh, about the importance of identities within their security programs and security strategies. So um, I'll put that out there in case there's anyone that's interested in uh, in leading this wonderful organization going forward. But uh, super excited about the future of uh, of the IDSA. I'm confident those candidates are out there. So yeah, if you're if you're if you're listening and you you know you want to get get in, get in touch with uh, Julie, I'm sure she you know I can put the contact info in the blog post that goes with the with the podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, by all means, I think it sounds like a sounds like a, a very uh, interesting and I'm sure rewarding role for the right person. Um, although you know you're 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 a tough act to follow. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, I I I, I want to get to and so there's you know what, what I want to talk about is um, you know earlier this year you guys put out the uh, IDSA. Uh, 2022 trends in securing digital identities report. Um, and I want to touch on, you know, some of the, some of the key findings from there, but talk about it in the context of like, what does it mean for 2023? How can, how can organizations apply that information? But before we go there, um, I wanted to take half a step back, um, even though, even though you've been on before, uh, and just talk about, um, a little bit, a little bit more detail on um, IDSA. Like, how many, how many member companies are there? Member vendors. Yeah, we've got 33 um, companies uh, who participate in the organization, uh, and and one of the primary ways they do that is uh, through our technical working groups. Uh, so those folks, uh, and they're they're typically leaders in their organizations, customer facing. So they're out there talking to customers, helping them solve the challenges that they have. Throw their vendor hats down, come to the table, uh, and work on um, you know things like our best practices uh, that we've got published on our website. Uh, things like our security outcomes, which are those two things together, really kind of the product that the IDSA creates. 
and that it's really advice and guidance on what organizations need to do to implement an identity-centric uh, security program. Um, so a lot of the content and recommendations that are coming out are um, it developed in collaboration with those member companies as well as folks from our customer advisory board. And we've got 10 of those um, leaders in their organizations uh, like Starbucks and Intuit and uh, Robert Half, uh, Cisco, and they provide guidance and sort of oversight and help drive uh, the agenda, really the content agenda and the, the focus uh, of those technical working groups. So um, that's a little bit more than you than you probably asked, but hopefully that gives a little bit of perspective on on the kind of things that we do. Right. I mean, it 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 maybe was a little bit more than asked, but uh, but that's but that's exactly what I was looking for. Really, it it's you know I think it's it, it's um just for some people who who maybe don't understand the way some of these some some of the like industry. I don't know coalition like like you know entities like this that you know that that exist where um you know organizations are coming together uh you know even even competitors you know and and working side by side because it's it's for the greater good and it it helps you know streamline um you know security for everyone and and I I like to see those efforts I I think it's I think it's good for you know uh, I think it's good for for companies to be able to have sort of a uh, a, a a frenemy situation or a coopetition um, where you can say, look, here's the baseline. Like we can all agree these should be standards, or we can all agree this is this is a problem and it needs to be fixed, and we can share information on on how to do that, and then find some other way to differentiate on top of that. Right. Um, you know, and 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 I and I'm um, I'm happy that I, I you know o over the years I you know I, I see more of that kind of that kind of industry cooperation going on. Yeah, I th I think it's really important. I mean, I you know when you're when I talk to my friends who aren't uh, ingrained in this uh, IT world, and I try to explain to them what we do, it, it doesn't always doesn't always come across. And then I point it back to something like the uh, National Association of Realtors, right there. Basically, that's an organization where they're made up of people who compete on a day-to-day -day basis for listings and for representing sellers. But yet, the National uh, Association of Realtors is all about providing tools and resources and uh, education on why individuals need a realtor uh, when they go out and buy a house. Now, there's lots of different organizations these days that are popping up, but but the idea being, yeah, that that we're trying to get ahead of the vendors and uh, educate on organizations on how they can become more secure, um, independent of the specific technologies or vendors or solution providers that they work with. Okay, makes sense. Um, all right, so then let's 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 move on to talking about the report. Now I know the report is is. It's been around for um, a few months, or you know, almost almost half a year. It's uh, you know, it's been quoted, cited, referenced. Um, but I guess you know, just it, 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 if you want to kind of start from the perspective of you know, what 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 do you think are the 
important findings, the interesting findings, um, you know, from that report? Yeah. So, I mean, I, th I think, you know, kind of the headline, if you were to give it one, is that identity related breaches continue to happen. Um, and they do impact organizations in pretty significant ways. Um, but there's investments being made. Uh, and that's maybe where this could help inform organizations on what they should be doing in the next year. Um, and uh, executive leadership support seems to be making a difference. Um, so that's kind of the headline, if you will. Um, and so, if, you know, you, I can just jump right into some of the, the specifics that support that. Um, we, you know, this trends report is, this is the second annual, um, and we'll continue to, to do this going forward. But there are variations of this report that occurred in uh, three reports previous to that. So it's a, a been kind of evolved over the years, if you will. Um, what, what, the main headline as it relates to identity related breaches are still happening is that 84% of organizations uh, surveyed said that they had experienced an identity related attack in the last year. Um, and, and the organizations that responded to the survey are 500 plus uh, enterprise organizations, a thousand employees uh, or more. And the people responding to the survey are, are responsible for identity or, and or security in their organization. So, I mean, that's a pretty jarring number, I think, uh, in terms of, you know, the, the number of organizations that have experienced um, some type of incident in the last year. The leading one, as you would expect, is phishing. Um, but, you know, other things like inadequately managed privileges or stolen credentials or social engineering, um, you know, have all been uh, the reasons for those breaches. Um, and as I mentioned, um, they did have pretty significant impacts uh, in the form of, you know, not just hard costs, but also disruption to their business. So, you know, again, kind of things that you read about on a daily basis, the ones that are are very impactful or the ones that uh, occurred within, uh, you know, a big name company you read about every day. Um, but, but even though this report was about a year, uh, about six months ago, uh, when it was actually released, I mean, we've seen some pretty high, high profile breaches just in the last couple of months. So um, I think that, you know, it is a, was a pretty jarring number. I don't know that we expected it to go up, which it went up uh, from 79% in the previous two years to 84% in the last year. The other interesting part about that is that 96% of the organizations reported that the breach could have been prevented by uh, some, you know, uh, an identity security uh, outcome. Uh, and that we reference back to some of the recommendations and the guidance that we provide. Um, and, and the majority of those organizations felt like they were, they were easily prevented had they focused on the right things. I mean, I, I, I honestly feel like, you know, every once in a while there is a, there is an attack or a breach that is truly novel and innovative. You know, like when you, when you reverse engineer it, you almost have to, you, you almost have to, you know, give it some credit and, 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 and be like, wow, you know, they, 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 they really came up with some creative stuff here. Um, but it seems like the vast majority target you know, known vulnerabilities, they target, you know, zombie accounts and, or zombie or rogue devices that the organization doesn't even know exists or forgot they exist. Um, they're 
you know, it, 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 it seems to always be the simple things, you know, so, and, and, and the, the fancy things always get the headlines. Like, you know, like when, when there, when there's a zero day, that's big news and everyone wants to scramble and go, go patch the zero day. Um, even though the empirical evidence suggests that the zero day really isn't as big a threat to you <laughs> as a lot of the vulnerabilities that you're, that you're, you know, are already there. Um, so all of that, I, I, I think, is interesting. But also, and I think you and I talked about this when you were on last time. I've had the perspective for for a number of years. You know, it's kind of kind of tying identity with insider threat type stuff, and, and you know, where where a number of years ago, I, I was doing an interview and made the observation that, you know the way attacks work now at the point of attack they're almost always insider threats from your perspective you know like if you're if you're if, if you're the security team um you know it might not be julie but it's somebody with julie's credentials and 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 you know so so from my perspective you know trying to trying to secure the network it's not like i'm looking for you know, a boogeyman. I'm not looking for a rogue bad guy in my in my network. Um, what I'm looking for is Julie doing things that Julie shouldn't be doing. Exactly. Yeah, a poser, right? <laughs> yeah, somebody who has gotten gotten a hold of Julie's credentials, probably ended up on the dark web somewhere, right? Uh, and now is able to go in and use those. Whether whether Julie is still uh, a legitimate and and valid or current employee or user of that system or not. Right. And I think that's one of the interesting things that um, came out of the survey. And, and, and this was a question we had asked a couple of years ago as well is uh, how many, you know, of the organ, how quickly do organizations typically remove an identity or the identity of an employee or someone who is no longer engaged in the organization? And, and what we found is that only about half actually remove access to critical systems as well. Uh, in the day that that employee leaves, and only 26 do it are always are you know consistent with when they do it. So, and that's one of those breaches you can point back to, uh, at least in recent memory, the Colonial Pipeline uh, breach. Is if that you know if that orphaned account had or zombied account uh, had been um, deprovisioned, then you know that whole situation on the east coast of the United States wouldn't have occurred. So it, and that and a lot of people would say that that's just basic good identity and access management hygiene, right? Just right. making sure that you're on top of who has access to what resources and the joiner, mover, lever process uh, is pretty well defined and automated um, so that, you know, when people do leave or when when organizations or when individuals transfer organizations, privileges change based on their new position. So. Um, you know, that's that's one of those things that I would chalk up and say, if I'm thinking about 2023 and, you know, where do I need to be focused? And in addition to all the things that, that drive a, uh, an agenda uh, and a planning cycle for the next year, I mean, I, I do an audit and say, how, how do I compare to the best practices around uh, good identity management hygiene within my organization? And not just for employees, but for my third party partners. Right. Uh, you know, I need to start thinking about machine identities um, 
and customer identities as well, right? The, there's just been tremendous growth in the last couple of years in the number of identities and number of identities, sheer numbers, and also the different types that organizations have to manage uh, and deal with on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, we've learned a lot of this. We've learned a lot of lessons uh, with how to handle employee identities that need to be applied to third party, to machine, uh, and to customer identities as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, I, th I think the trick there, the, the hard part of, of what you described is the, it's not the join, it's not even necessarily the move sometimes, although that is kind of iffy, it's the leave. And, and uh, you know, the, yes, there, there needs to be, you know, organizations need to figure out some, some way to automate that better. But, um, uh, but yeah, it's like a, it's like a squeaky wheel thing. You know, when, when someone, you know, joins the company, they need access to stuff and, you know, and you've got managers who are like, look, we're, you know, I hired this guy, we're paying him. He's got a computer. I, I need you to give him access to stuff so he can do his job. Um, so you're going to get that done. You know, you're, you're, you know, that, that is not a thing that's going to be like, ah, I'll get to it next month. Um, but when they leave, it's like, hey, you know, yeah, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Um, yeah. and, and then you just don't. Yeah, but you think about who cares about each of those different processes, right? HR cares about the first one and the line of business cares about the, the first one as well, right? Is I want my employees to be productive on day one. Security needs to care about the latter. Security needs to care about when people leave because that's what's uh, creating this threat vector for their organization. So, you know, some that that's where like identity governance committees come together where you know, if, if you're you're looking at a security program, you're looking at an overall governance program uh, related to identity. It needs to include HR because they and line of business because they come at it from that perspective. But it very definitely needs to include security because uh, you've left a big hole open. Um, it it also needs to include things that are seemingly innocuous, meaning. And, and, and I have a personal anecdote, uh, which is, I don't know that I can actually access anything per se, but there's an email account, an email alias that I, you know, used. I mean, I haven't, I haven't worked directly with this company in nine years now, but I still get email that's mm -hmm. forwarded from this alias. Um, and yeah, I, I've never, I've, because I'm 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 not a gray hat white hat hacker. I've never I've never like tried to figure out okay what can I do with this this information, but I'm sure I could do something. I'm sure I'm sure someone creative could figure out even if it's just using that as a means of emailing someone else in the company to you know create a sense of urgency and get them to do something or whatever. You know, it's just just the fact that I have an email address. That is on their domain gives me, uh, you know, some amount of power. Yeah, legitimacy, right? So you could easily, I mean, that that would be almost a you know a very targeted spear phishing uh, type of attack, right? You could use that email address to send a a, a link, uh, a malicious link to somebody. But just the fact that you are coming from a legitimate email address, people will probably click on that link. Right. Um, that's, that's definitely, uh, you know, and like I said, it, 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 perhaps the company, like, maybe they cleaned everything else up. You know, maybe, I, you know, they said, okay, well, Tony doesn't need access to any of this stuff. So 
you know, they might have done a very good job on all the other stuff. I have no idea. Um, I've just always thought it's a little a little shady that this email address still works. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I mean, just just kind of talking through some of the other, um, you know, certainly one of the recommendations uh, around 2023 for organizations it, as a result of the survey was what are you doing around revoking access uh, to to individuals, really identities, right? Whether it could be uh, a partner, it could be, uh, you know, a a a B two B customer. Um, but how are you staying on top of, of access for those uh, identities and not ending up with a lot of orphan identities, uh, zombie identities? Um, just staying on top of privilege access, right? And, and it's not just privilege access of who you're granting that to intentionally, but it's also this, this uh, mover situation we talked about a minute ago, right? As, as individuals move around the organization, privileges have a tendency to creep. Um, and so, you know, making sure that you're you're pretty clear and aware of who has access, especially to you know critical systems. And these are things that came out of the, you know, what could have prevented my breach uh, of those individuals that ind indicated that their organization had suffered a breach. I mean, these are are the top things that could have prevented those breaches. Just things like knowing the devices that are uh, that your your users. Um, are using to access critical resources and understanding the profile of that device and being able to determine, you know, based on certain characteristics, whether that is a valid device um, that's getting access to your resources as well. So just, you know, recommendations and things that, that I think organizations need to consider in 2023. And these are all things that are, are listed in our security outcome library that we've got published on the website as well. Okay. Um. Are there like either either in the recommendations that 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 you provide, or uh, if there are, I, I don't want you to you know pitch any specific vendor or tool or whatever, but you know do do I, I'm assuming that things exist that would help automate that would help automate the 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 hygiene aspect of it. Yeah, and and if in our library of outcomes, you know, the way it's organized is we talk about an outcome, we talk about the benefits of an outcome, and then there's obviously you know multiple ways to achieve that outcome, um, and you know different uh, high level deployment scenarios, uh, different technologies and capabilities that can come together to achieve that particular outcome, and as part of that, there's all also a mapping of these are our vendor companies, member companies who support these particular outcomes and approaches. Uh, and so that's certainly a way that, um, you know, you can get some, uh, get some advice on what it is you should be focusing on, different ways you can implement and, and you know, potentially folks that you can talk to, whether they're vendors that you're already using or uh, vendors that, that you haven't spoken to yet. But you know, get to your point earlier, get advice and and talk about to them about how their solutions are differentiated and how they can specifically solve uh, that particular outcome for you. Okay. Um, what is, uh, I, I, I'm assuming, so correct me if I'm wrong, I'm assuming that somewhere in the recommendations is, you know, the sort of standard best practice of uh 2fa mfa 
Um, I, from from the like user perspective, like I, I will say, I feel like they those things seem to be definitely providing security because you know a lot of times they prevent me from getting in. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so uh, it, which 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 brings me to the the question sort of or or the or the uh, discussion point, which is I feel like there's room for improvement in terms of the process like the, the overall process and the uh, you know like I, I like i have like the microsoft authenticator on my phone and the google authenticator on my phone and i think there's another authenticator on my phone and then if you've got you know duo and you got this and and what ends up happening is i go to log into something and it's like okay well we need the code and the first thing I have to do is figure out, okay, well, which of these four or five apps is that application associated with? You know, where where am I going to go find this code? Um, you know, so that part's always 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 a a bit of a challenge. Uh, I mean, a challenge is a strong word. It's a it's more of an annoyance. Yeah. Um, and that and that's that's really I think what a, what a lot of identity stuff comes to, whether it's. To, you know, two-factor or multi-factor authentication, whether it's forcing, you know, complex, you know, long passwords or, you know, all of these things, um, they improve security while making life more difficult for the users. And, you know, I think for, for, for companies, it's a matter of finding, okay, well, what's the, what's the happy medium? Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like, be insecure just because it's inconvenient for you as the user. Um, but I also don't want to be so secure that the user can't get anything done. Right. Yeah. It's the, can you have the security uh, and convenience as well? Right. The, the user experience, those things have always, uh, I think in the past, I should have been a little bit uh, opposed to each other. Um, I mean, and and one of the things that we would definitely recommend and came out of the, the research as well is that implementing MFA for all users is absolutely, you know, a recommendation. Now, to your point, how do you do that? What are the mechanisms you use? Um, we, you know, we haven't, haven't done a lot uh, in terms of content and advice on that. Um, but we definitely think that um, and, and certainly the research shows that MFA uh, for all user types could have prevented uh, some of the breaches that have occurred, um, according to our research. Um, interestingly, you know, a very few number of organizations, less than a quarter of organizations have implemented it for their customers. And, and I think that's probably a case where they haven't done that because um, it, has, it does introduce some sort of friction um, now maybe that's uh, the way it's been implemented is is more the issue or the the technology and processes they chose to do that. I think there's also challenges with getting adoption of MFA. Um, uh, so you know it, certainly it's it's a it's best practice. Um, I think there are challenges with some of the the implementations of MFA. Um, you know, in talking to some of our customer advisory board members uh, who have implemented zero trust in their organizations, they believe very strongly in, in device characteristics uh, as a sort of additional attributes, if you will, or uh, information about the user and the device that they're using to access. Um, that can 
leverage MFA only when there's some anomaly, right? Only when there's something that's going on that doesn't make any sense. And so if, if everything is kosher between what the user has entered and the characteristics of the device, then they'll let them in, but they'll you know, throw up uh, MFA in an instance where uh, they need a little bit stronger authentication. So I think there's, you know, I think there's ways and implementation approaches uh, that can maybe make that process a little bit better. And I think there's emerging standards that can as well. Um, you know, some of the things that the FIDO Alliance is doing, um, I think will help out quite a bit as well. So um, I'm not an expert in those areas, I will admit. Well, and as I said, the thing you just touched on is, uh, you know, there's, if we, were, if we were doing a Venn diagram of different like security practices and, and principles, you know, there, there's overlap there with, the you know the concept of zero trust and um and a lot of the zero trust implementations now use some form of that some form of kind of behavioral scoring sort of you know is to to say you know hey you know julia is sitting at her desk in the office logging on from the computer we gave her you know let's not let's not give her any grief you know yeah. <laughs> just let, let her do her job but hey you know julie's logging in from some computer we've never seen before. Yeah, let's maybe ask for a let's maybe ask for a second uh, form of identification or authentication. Um and that makes sense. You know, I, I mean I I think that's a good I think that's a fair approach to saying, look, I'm I I as the company, whether it's for an employee or the customer, I am trying to make this as streamlined and convenient as possible. However, there are situations that uh, come up where I, it, it 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 warrants uh, a little, a little extra diligence. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Evaluate behavior. Yeah. That's a one I didn't touch on, but I would say that's probably in the top five as well. Um, is, you know, through these, there's so many tools out there nowadays, uh, UEBA tools and, and the advancements around AI and ML that are, uh, benefiting identity and authentication, uh, access certifications, even, you know, we've done, uh, a series of blogs on AI and ML within the uh, identity domain. Um, and so there's just emerging technologies for sure that I think will will continue to improve that security versus user experience um, ratio. Yeah. Um, different, and this is this is really an edge case, but from a consumer perspective, when there are shared access, so like you know my 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 wife and I you know like let's let's say like Mint you know like we have Mint.com like we have one that has all of our stuff in it, but her her phone is the one that's set up as the as the authenticator. So when I go to log in, it'll send a code to her phone, and then I have to text her and be like, hey, can you send me that code? Um, and I don't really know, you know, I'll just throw that out there for the people who are smarter than me. I don't, I don't know what the solution to that is, or, or, or is it maybe so much of an edge case that uh, we're literally the only ones having the problem? In which case, you know, why, why, why bother? Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting one. You know, during Cybersecurity Awareness Month, uh, that's hosted by our partner, National Cybersecurity Alliance, they talked a lot about just good password hygiene. You know, one of the things that we talk about as well is is identity security is everybody's responsibility, right? So whether you're talking about protecting your identity as an employee or as a consumer, there's just a basic set of things you shouldn't do. And certainly, you know, using the same password across accounts, that's bad. 
sharing passwords. That's not such a great idea. I get that there's a there's a level of trust that exists outside your identity system there, um, but you know certainly sharing uh, sharing passwords is probably not the best uh, best situation as well. So um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if that's an ed edge case or one of those things where they need to enable two different users getting access to the same account. All right, I was going to say like it, 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 if it is an edge case. It's perhaps a situation not for mint.com or not for mint to go figure out or into it uh, to go figure out, okay, well, how do I, you know, get, you know, fix this two factor authentication thing? It's more, okay, how do I create a situation where, you know, like, like a Apple, you know, iOS, like family plan or whatever, like how do I create something where there can be multiples, but they are logging in as themselves. Um, cause I know like when I was a network admin, that was always an issue too. You know, it's like, instead of, you know, I could create user profiles for everyone on the IT team and, and say, okay, well, you know, you're a domain admin, you're a domain admin, you're a domain admin. But at least then when Julie logs in, I know that it's Julie, I can go into the logs and I can say, okay, that's Julie's login. But you know, we were guilty of it. And I know a lot of people were, and a lot of people probably still are of just saying, Hey, there's, this is the domain admin password. Right. We're all going to use that. Um, but then you give up that, you give up that level of, uh, that, that, that granular level of being able to tell, okay, well, but who did it, <laughs> who, you know, which, which credentials was, you know, who, who logged in. Right. Well, not only that, but then there's an example of a breach and maybe not as well known as others, but it happened maybe two years ago now where, uh, shared admin password, uh, Oldsmar water treatment plant. I don't know if you remember this one, but they had a shared credential that got access to the dashboard that was used to um, alter the chemicals in the water treatment plant. Yep. And someone got in there and messed around with it. They got that shared set of credentials. So um, yeah, that's, that's a bad one too. <laughs> um, it's, and I guess maybe that, you know, some would say, well, we just need to get rid of credentials altogether and we need to be in a passwordless scenario. I, I think that's, you know, ultimately, yes, but I think there's a, a long way to get there. Yeah, because I feel like I'm, I, I am, I am there as much as I can be. I mean, I'm using, uh, you know, Windows Hello on, on my computer. I'm using, you know, Facebook. Or I mean, a, a Face ID on, on my mm -hmm. iPhone. I try as much as possible to just not log, you know, not have to type in passwords, but you know, all of those things still have a password on the back end. Like there is still, you know, it still exists. Um, you know, and I know there are, you know, there are companies out there that are trying to solve that. I know that Microsoft, you know, made, made a big uh, push for, you know, removing the password, but it was like a lot of things from Microsoft. It was Microsoft centric. It was like, okay, well, yeah, all the things that are Microsoft, <laughs> You know, it's, you're good. You can you 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 log in once. Everything everything will just kind of you know it'll just work, and you don't need to keep logging in. And it's like, all right, but as soon as I go use an app that's not Microsoft, I'm I'm back back where I was. Um, uh, one of the things I was going to ask, and 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 you know, I don't know if this is specifically in the report or something that you um, address directly, but you mentioned um, like forcing, uh, you know. Password policies and, and not not reusing passwords across uh, devices, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, I was going to say, like, I've, you know, th there there was the there there was the period of time where it seemed like everyone was saying, okay, well, you know, the password needs to be at least you know eight characters, at least ten, at least fifteen. I, I mean, I've seen I've seen I, I worked somewhere where it was like a it was like a thirty plus. It was that was the requirement. Um, and you know, in the push for well, you need to have uppercase, lowercase, numbers, special characters, you know, all, all of the above need to be in there. Um, but I, I, I've seen, you know, studies and reports more recently that have suggested that that's possibly harming overall password security, that like, you know, the, the, the more hoops you make users jump through, the more likely they are to write it down on a post-it note. Right. Yeah. Which I think is what, you know, again, back to Cybersecurity Awareness Month, there were a couple of things that uh, behaviors that they um, were advocating for during the month and just trying, you know, to create awareness, again, you know, across consumers and across organizations alike. Um, you know, having a password manager, I think, uh, you know, helps solve that long password. You know, they need to be strong. They need to be unique. Uh, and if certainly a password manager is going to help with those two things, right? Uh, and so that you're not... You're not creating, you know, Julie has a cat, one, two, three, and then just changing it. Julie has a cat, one, two, four, one, two, five, one, two, six, right? When I, when I was a network admin, and I'm dating myself, but it was, you know, way, way back when, um, you know, around the I love you virus. Uh, but we implemented a password policy. We we're like, all right, you know, we, need to, we need to do something about this. So we're going to have a password policy. And, you know, it's got to be this many characters. It's got to have, you know, letters and numbers. And you cannot reuse the same password. And we set it for like a year, you know, 12 months. You, you can't reuse. You had to you know, change the password every 30 days. You can't reuse the same one for, for 12 months. And I remember. Uh, I, I remember I remember finding out that a user was literally doing like what you just said. Uh, they did basically did like. Julie May one or you know, like Julie January one, you know, Julie February two, Julie. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I, I, I think you're 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 following the letter of the law, but you're definitely missing the spirit. Yeah, uh, guilty. I would I mean, I, I will say and uh, I'm much better, but I, there was a point in time when I would do something very similar to that. Um, and that, you know, kind of back to the research report, we did ask some questions um, of both. Uh, actually, of the security practitioners, so of the folks that were taking the survey this go around, how many of these risky behaviors have you done? <laughs> and it is writing, you know, passwords down on Post-it notes. It's um, sharing passwords. It's using the same passwords. It's putting uh, credentials into a messaging tool, for example. Um, and there were shockingly a lot of security people like you and I, who know better, but who still have done those things before. Yeah. Um, we also were curious, and the reason we asked this is because we're, we're sort of curious about, you know, personal behavior, because that's always sort of fun to understand, especially from people that should be focused on this topic. But we also asked about it from a cultural perspective and said, um, how many of your, uh, how many of you have some sort of, uh, leader within the organization, executive within the organization, whether it's uh, someone on the board, someone at the C-level, someone at a VP level, talk about the importance of 
um, password policies and password security and you know, protecting your digital identities. Um, and we found that in those organizations that, and there were 71% of them, organizations had somebody that talked about the importance of securing their organization uh, and the importance an individual's play in that. 71% um, of them uh, do have executives. And the one, the, the security folks who admitted to risky behavior said, we take better, uh, better care of our passwords and follow the policies when the executives are speaking about how important it is to the overall security of the organization. So it's, so that what we are getting at there is it's not just a technology, as we always think, uh, problem to solve, but it's also a cultural thing as well. And I think that's, you know, where Cybersecurity Alliance Month comes into play. And, and I, I know CISA is doing a, a number of things, but just to have to brought, educate everybody. We all live in an online world, right? And uh, even more so since the pandemic. And so, you know, this digital ecosystem we live in is very interconnected and, and uh, we all need to do our part to protect it. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say I, I, so I, I use a password manager, and I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name either, but I, I I used a different one previously that I preferred because the one that I'm using now I feel like it, and and this might be a configuration thing that that you know maybe the admin could 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 fix, um, but you know so it could be on our end, but I feel like I have to log into it like every time like like you know it's like i i i you know i, I want to just go to things and have it autofill and 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 just magically log into things that's the whole point um but uh, yeah i end up having to like log in to the password manager almost every time i need to use it and mm -hmm. and uh and the, the process when uh, the process with this particular product when i do create a new password it doesn't seem to like as seamlessly store the new password or whatever. So then I'll go to log in again and it'll say, oh, no, that's wrong. I'm like, well, how can it be wrong? You're literally the password manager. <laughs> <laughs> You're falling down on the job. Yeah. So, and, and, and that comes back to, you know, that, that convenience versus security. Like, you know, like, yeah, the, the, the products that are out there that are presenting themselves as password managers need to, be streamlining that experience and 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 making sure that it is functioning properly. Right. It's complex space, isn't it? It it yes and no because I was I was literally gonna gonna say as, as you know kind of as we as we wind down some I was literally gonna say that I feel like you know there there's there's great information great findings in 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 the report and I, I'll, I'll be curious to see what you know, how that trends for next year's report. But, uh, you know, I come back to what you you kind of started with, which is most of this stuff kind of comes down to best practices and basic hygiene. I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's not, we're not asking you to, you know, you know, buy the latest whiz bang tools. We're not asking you, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to, you know, reinvent anything like you literally just need to, you know, not have accounts exist for people or devices that shouldn't be on the network. Right. And not give access, uh, whether intentionally or unintentionally to people that shouldn't have it. 
Yeah. And know where, you know, know what people have access to, know where those assets are that are really your crown jewels and you need to protect. Um, yeah, it really, it really does. I mean, so when you think about, you know, what, what should you be doing in 2023 to make sure you're not part of what I call the 84% club, you know, do an audit, make sure that, you know, just sort of these basic best practices that we recommend and, you know, Certainly, I'm going to push our stuff, but there's other organizations out there that have best practices as well on the space. But um, I think it's, you know, in all of our best interests for um, for organizations to use whatever resources they think are, uh, you know, are going to help them succeed. Um, but I, you know, I think it's 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 doing an audit, identifying what your we'll call identity debt uh, is, and and get on top of it in 2023. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, this seems to be sort of a universal truth um, that, though, you know, we always try to find, like, what's the, what's the cool solution or what's the interesting new solution, but, like, there are just best practices, you know, like, there's there's always a fad exercise plan or a fad diet, but it's like, well, no, eat right and exercise is is a pretty simple like you just do that. You don't have to you know buy any special things or or, or sign up for a program. You just eat right and exercise. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, financially, you know, it's like save save some of your money and and live within your means. I mean, there there are simple solutions to these things. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, for sure. But but you know you go on Instagram and scroll through and there'll be you know ad ads for all all the, all the things that will magically fix it for you. There's something to be said for being pragmatic. Yes. Um. Well, and and, and one more point on that is when I when I was working more in the security trenches, you know, I I I go in to do a, a an assessment or a consulting uh, gig with a, with a client, and a lot of times they were they they were coming out like you know, it may, maybe they had recently had some sort of a successful breach or attack or or whatever but often they were coming at it from the perspective of hey you know we've got this budget so we're bringing you in here to assess things and now and just we need to figure out what do we need to buy to fix this so that doesn't happen again and i was always like well hold on pump pump your brakes let's let's start with like what do you have like because it, it goes back to the you know what we were just talking about. It goes back to just best practices and 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 basic hygiene. It's like before you go out and buy the you know shiny new tool and 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 end up increasing the complexity of your of of your of your security. Maybe you just don't have it configured right. You know, like you're you know you 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 know you let, let's start with looking at the infrastructure management and security controls that you have make sure those are make sure you're using all of the features and, and and capabilities that exist and that they're configured properly then if there's a gap then we can talk about okay well what what can we fill that gap with um but let's not start there mm -hmm. sage advice <laughs> all right well i want to thank you uh for joining me uh once again uh and uh, uh i think this is you know 
solid advice uh, for uh, going into 2023. We can just throw in my eat right and exercise thing because everyone's going to be doing their Exactly. Their, their New Year's resolutions and joining joining Lifetime Fitness and buying a rowing machine. And it's like, you know, not, I'm not saying those things are bad. Just, you know, actually use them. Um, okay. <laughs> so um, anyway, I have a have a good uh, rest of the year. Good holiday. And uh, we will uh, talk again in 2023. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions that you'd like to see answered in future posts.